What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. Special thanks to Better Edge. Better Edge is great because they're allowing everyone to make bets VIG free. Now, here's what VIG free betting looks like. A lot of you guys think it's just a normal experience, normal sports book, and you don't make a VIG or you don't pay a VIG. Well, that's not really the case. VIG free betting means if you want to bet the Suns tonight, minus five and a half, there's going to be someone else out there in America who wants to bet the Bucks plus five and a half. I guarantee it. So what Better Edge does is it just matches you guys up so you don't have to pay the house anything. You just pay usually an even fee of 50 to win 50 or, or you know 100 to win 100. Now, if you find a line of, let's say, minus 105, the other side will be plus 105. So again, you never pay a VIG and they're just facilitating bets between two people. So it's easy. It's fun. You make more money. And I say it's fun. It's like a social platform. It's so cool. You can follow people, follow professionals. They track your record. You can smack talk. There's tournaments, competitions. It's taking everything great about sports betting and making it that much better. Check them out online, betteredge.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com, like sports better. Use promo code code sharp for a free $10. And uh, that promo code lets them know that we sent you as well. Online betteredge.com promo code sharp. What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. Thanks for joining us on a Thursday. Today is July 8th. And uh, it's Deep Dive Thursday, time for another Deep Dive episode. On today's show, we'll talk about the sticky stuff in the MLB. Now, we touched on this yesterday during uh, Trending Wednesday, but we didn't really go deep with some numbers, how it's going to affect handicapping, betting, things like that. So today we'll talk about how to approach betting and handicapping the MLB after this whole crackdown that has gone on with uh, the with the rosin and the sticky stuff and the spider tack. And uh, I mean, we mentioned it a little bit yesterday, so go back and listen to yesterday's show if uh, you didn't hear it. But pretty much what's been happening, if, if you have been following, in uh, baseball, Major League Baseball, they cracked down early June, I think it was June 3rd, and made it very, actually encouraged it to start checking pitchers and start uh, doing some pat-downs on the mound after innings or after games, things like that. So since the crackdown and since managers and umpires have been more aware of this, there have been a lot of really interesting stats. There's been a lot of changes numbers-wise that we have to pay attention to. And it's a real thing. It's affecting the game on a game-by-game basis. It's affecting results and it's changing a hitter-pitcher relationship. So it's really important. Despite what some may say, this recent crackdown means a ton. Uh, Now, before we get into the specific numbers, what the spin rates look like, what this means for offense, things like that, let's address this. It's pretty much a fact that if you're going to handicap baseball, that now includes being up to date on what the next form of cheating could be. Let's face it. If you were, if you handicapped the MLB, okay, and you were up to date and ahead of the curve on the steroid era, you'd have made a lot of money. And then if you were up to date and ahead of the curve on the dead ball era, you would have made a lot of money. And then now if you were up to date and ahead of the curve on the sticky stuff era, so to speak, you would have made a lot of money. And quickly for those yelling at the radio right now or your phone, the radio, their phone or whatever, I know the sticky stuff era has been happening for a long time. And for a while now, people have turned their heads. But only recently have spin rates gotten so out of control that balls are doing things they've never done before. And 
I wasn't a big fan of spin rates. For a long time, it's like exit velocity, spin rates. Give me a break. Spin rate matters if you're looking at what the pitcher is doing to influence the ball. And two pitches, both going 100 miles an hour, if one has a spin rate of just one more rotation per minute, that will be a much more effective pitch than the other. Spin rate matters a ton. But before, again, before we get into that, it's a fact that if you're going to handicap baseball, you have to know the next form of cheating. And this is not easily to come across, okay? This is not readily information or readily available information, but just know that has to be a part of things. Looking at uh, what's going on in college, the minor leagues, you got to follow these things because if you can find out somehow before everyone else does, that's a way to make some money in Major League Baseball. Um, while we're talking about this, external things in handicapping, because that was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I do mean you have to pay attention to certain things outside the game. Let's talk about that. Let's make a list of things that most people don't think about when handicapping. Look, if you're going to handicap the sports... We all look at three-point percentage and how does the team do on the road and what are they doing in their last five games and is there any injuries? We know those things. But there's a lot that some people, a lot of people, probably overlook when handicapping. And some are sport-specific. So let's make a list here. These are for every single sport that you handicap. You may not think about this, but this should be included in your, hand- in your handicapping process. Uh, number one. What's the family and personal situation like? And I know this can be sort of personal by nature, but you've got to do this. If you're going to stay on top and bet on these guys, you have to know. And let's face it, you're betting on human beings. You're not betting on uh, machines or coin flips or anything. It's human. So emotions are going to be involved. So if you're not following, are they married? Are they single? Are they in a good relationship? Bad relationship? Are Are they getting in trouble a lot? Are they partying a lot? You have to know these things, especially for things like the NBA. You know, it's less prevalent in the NFL. If everyone on the team's buttoned up and a backup right guard is getting into some trouble, it usually doesn't matter. But in basketball, even if it's a backup, those are small locker rooms. Those kind of things matter. So what's the personal? What's the family situation like? You've got to know that for every sport, pretty much every player. Uh, what's the locker room situation like? And that's not just players getting along with players, even though that does matter. You've got to know how players get along with their teammates, but also how do players get along with coaches? How do players get along with the front office? And it's not enough to know how they're getting along. It's enough to know how to evaluate it. I mean, teams could have the best relationship with a coach front office ever. Is it going to translate into wins and covers? Uh, Look at the Bulls in the 90s. They didn't like, a lot of them didn't like Phil Jackson. Most of them hated the front office. They won six championships and covered a lot on the road to them. So it's not enough just to know what's going on. You've got to know how to evaluate it. But it's so important to know locker room situations. Players, 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 coaches, players, front office. Know what's going on. And last, with uh, every sport, the travel situation. And I'm not talking about the fact that teams are traveling That's very obvious. Uh, We know Green Bay is traveling to San Francisco this weekend in the NFL or whatever it may be. That's obvious. Everyone who follows the sport knows that much. But when are they leaving? Are they leaving on Friday night, on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon? Are they leaving on Thursday? Where are they staying? Are they staying in a hotel they're familiar with? Are they staying close to the stadium or an hour and a half drive away from the stadium? You have to know these things. 
if you don't, if you're not aware of all of these external factors, you're not going to be able to handicap games very well. And it's funny because everyone always focuses, like I said, you never hear these things on ESPN or Fox or Twitter. You never hear what you hear is this team's shooting poorly from three lately. Oh, really? Because if it's obvious and everyone knows it, it's probably built into the line. If, if it's clear and you know about it, it's like the old thing. If you've heard about a stock at a birthday party, it's too late. You know, if you heard about the stock at the office party or the whatever, it's too late. Same thing here. If everyone's talking about it, if everyone knows about it, it's probably incorporated in the line and you don't have much of an edge. So you have to know these things surrounding the game. It's so important. A couple others that are sports specific uh, in college sports. You've got to follow their social media accounts, especially nowadays. Almost everyone has a social media account who's playing college ball, and you can learn a hell of a lot more from those accounts than you can in coach interviews or post-game interviews, things like that. They will let you know what they're thinking very often. And it's not just the freshmen, sophomores, a lot of college athletes. You can get a great window into what's going on. Are they playing hard? Is the is a three... And, or is a is a three and eight team with one more game to go in the football season? Are they ready to play? Are they hungry? Or are they going to quit? If you look at their Instagram, a lot of times you'll see. A lot of times you get a good indication. So uh, for college sports, follow their social media. And I actually have an example here. Last year, I forget which game it was. It was a college football game where the visiting team had a fire alarm pulled. And you didn't hear about it on ESPN. You didn't hear about it on Fox. No one talked about it. There were two players who tweeted about it. That's the only way you knew. If you weren't following them, if you weren't doing your homework, you had no idea about the fire alarm pool. And that team went on to get killed. They, they didn't cover the spread by like three touchdowns. So if you're not following social media accounts and you're betting college sports, again, you're going to be a step behind. Uh, in Major League Baseball and soccer, you've got to know referee assignments. And before you scream at me and say, what about basketball and the NFL and football? Well, I hate to get all you conspiracy theorists upset out there, but in basketball, I'm sorry, but st- statistically, it doesn't really matter who's ref in the game. Obviously, some referees are going to have their biases, things like that. I think the league is still scarred from the whole fixing scandal with... Uh, Tim Donahue, but it doesn't matter that much. When you look at the data, it doesn't matter who's on the floor in the NFL or basketball or even college basketball. It's it's amazing. But baseball and soccer, who the referee is, matters a ton. Uh, and then my last one here, very last one, this is for every single sport, the sleep schedule. Have an idea of what their sleep schedule is. Again, you can do this by following social media accounts and things like that. All right, let's get back to the sticky stuff because there's some good numbers here in baseball. And the spin rate is the number one thing that people look at for the sticky stuff because that's what what it does. And I'm just going to say it's been rosin, it's been pine tar, the fact that it's been spider tack as of late, spider tack's like an industrial, I'm not even, it's, it's, it's strong and it's not meant for baseball. So to track how much this is affecting pitchers, they just tracked spin rates and they've been doing this since 2017. And if you look at the spin rate from 2017 until now, it's risen consistently year after year, as you would expect, because the cheating has continued. 
But suddenly, on June third, when they started tra- or when they started cracking down, spin rates have dropped since then seven percent. Now you may say, "Well, how much is that? Is that really a lot?" That that, if you ask me, is about four hundred and fifty times to five hundred times more than expected if you weren't using a sticky substance. So this makes it very clear that there is a is an is an obvious manipulation of the baseball and a manipulation of what the baseball is doing in terms of physics. And I'm not going to get too complex here because a lot of that's even over my head, but the faster a ball spins, the more it's impacted by the atmosphere around it and the more it does. If you're going to throw a slider, again, like I said earlier in the show, two sliders, both 88 miles an hour, the one that's spinning faster will move more. So this matters a lot. And again, a 7% a 7% decrease in spin rate since June 3rd means that this is a very real stat and pitchers are normalizing back to what they would do without this cheating substance. So when we're looking ahead, when we're using math and we're using forecasting, it's not only going to be the decrease of how effective a pitcher can be. We're going to get what's called a compounding effect because now hitters will also naturally get better because they're seeing flatter pitches, pitches that aren't moving as much, and pitches that, frankly, they've been seeing their whole lives before the last couple months. So it's not like the batters are going to stay the exact same, but the pitchers will get worse. It's going to be a compounding effect where pitchers will fall off and hitters will congruently get better. So when we're looking at actually what this means for numbers and projecting, I'm projecting batting averages will rise, and I'd love to come back and, and, and listen to this show or revisit the show at the end of the year where we can see if these numbers are accurate. But I'm projecting that batting averages will rise on average about 5%. So that means if you're hitting 250, your, your batting average will rise to about 262.5. The reason this will be tough to track is because these are all over the place anyway. Even if the MLB didn't crack down and we ignored this, there's going to be a lot of players who, whose batting averages increase from 250 to 262.5 anyway. There's going to be a lot of people who decrease. There's going to be a lot of people who say the same. This is a problem with math and data and probability because you have so much noise, what's called noise, in the problems anyway, that just looking at the end of the year and saying, okay, as of June 3rd, did batting averages increase 5% across the league? It's not that easy, but overall, and, p- and just speaking as simply as I can and, and, and is le- in you know layman's terms, batting averages will rise slightly across the league. It will be noticeable at the end of the year, maybe not game by game. But that will translate in roughly 0.23 more runs per game. These are all my projections. The question now is to apply this game by game. Where do we apply it? Because at the end of the year, I think it's going to be obvious that the averages will rise. But game by game is how we make our money. So when do we apply this? You want to apply this by finding certain pitchers who are doing well or doing poorly that haven't been made public yet. And one of the kind of paradoxes of having a sports betting podcast is the more information I give and the more people who listen, the less relevant that information will be. Think about it this way. If I did a podcast on hacking 
and I came out with a podcast on how to hack the CIA in five easy steps, that may be effective and true and real, but by the time that podcast comes out and someone from the CIA listens to it, they're going to patch that system up and you'll no longer be able to hack that part of the CIA, okay? I wonder how many flags I'm setting up just by saying these words right now. <laughs> My point is, same thing here with sports betting. If I just say, hey, everyone, here's a list of all the pitchers who are doing well right now and poorly, and a sports book manager or someone like that gets their hands on that audio, there goes our edge. Now, I don't think this show is necessarily big enough yet to do that, even though it's growing. Thank you for listening. Thanks for telling your friends. We're, we're up to about 5,000 listeners a month right now. It's great. But I, I still don't think we're at the level of some of these other you know millions of listeners a month, so I can get away with this now. But I don't want to get in the habit of doing things like that and get these listeners, you, you, know, you guys who have listened to me from the beginning, used to that kind of thing. What I like to do is teach in... You know, teach to fish instead of giving the fish. Let you guys know what to look for, the the general approach. So you can go do this yourself, win money, and hopefully these edges are available a little bit longer. Because once they disappear, there goes our ability to make money. So while I, I'm not going to give specific players and go through a whole list, it's not about if this is going to affect players. It's about how much for each player. Okay, that's a little clue I'll give you guys. And if you go through... And you can identify some pitchers who are doing well, some pitchers who are falling off slightly before they get to the news. That's when you want to start betting on them. And what I mean by they get to the news, right now I'd say the poster child for this whole sticky stuff thing is Garrett Cole. And Garrett Cole, I mean, there's been articles written about him. Everyone knows it. Anyone, he's again, he's the poster child, meaning everyone identifies him with this problem. So clearly, anytime Garrett Cole goes to the mound, the, the, the uh, prices will be adjusted. The prices will be fixed because everyone in the world knows about this. So you don't want to bet against Garrett Cole, but the idea is to find players like that who haven't been publicized yet. Now, let's look at some Garrett Cole stats really quick just so I can let you know what we're looking at here. Before June 3rd, Garrett Cole's ERA was 1.78. After June 3rd, 5.24. His whip before June 3rd, 0.83. After, 1.22. His strikeout rate before June 3rd, 37%. Afterwards, 26%. And his home runs per nine innings before June 3rd, 0.64. After June 3rd, 2.62. These numbers are are not just different. This is not regressing towards the mean. This is a substantial change that we can identify happening early June. Now, could something have happened? Could something tragic have happened in Garrett Cole's life? Or could he have gotten a divorce? Or could he have maybe done something to his finger he's not telling us about? Yes, that's absolutely a possibility. But is it more likely that that happened or is it more likely that the sticky stuff is now affecting him and we should be aware of that moving forward? So that's my point here. If you can identify, and this is the takeaway from today's show, there will be opportunities moving forward pretty much on a game by game basis every day now, especially for the next couple of months before a lot of players get identified who have done well or poorly after the breakdown or after the crackdown. So there will be opportunities and these opportunities will be presented in these ways. Overs, team totals, 
and individual player bets. We're going to want to look at all of these. And frankly, if we think we have an edge, if we think we've identified a pitcher who's really fallen off since June 3rd, he hasn't been identified in the market, and we want to bet against him, I would do everything. I would take the over in the game. I would take the opposite team total over. And in terms of individual player bets, I would bet under for the strikeouts for the pitcher. I would bet over for the hits given up by the pitcher. And then for the offense, I would bet a lot of the hitters who have good matchups against that pitcher over hits and over hits plus runs plus, uh, uh, what is it, RBI, something like that, for, for those hitters. So my point is, if you think you're onto something, don't just make one team total bet and watch the game. Get at it and diversify in a lot of different ways. Because if you're onto something, it's going to be called what's a sliding effect. And if it impacts the game a little bit in one area, it'll certainly impact the game in other areas. And we'll try and stay on top of this. You guys should too. Do your homework. Stay on top of who's doing well, who's not, or just keep listening. Because as the days pass, as the weeks pass, we'll let you guys know more and more about players, games, and you can bet that it's going to be in a lot of weekend quick picks coming up too, these baseball games. So, all right, that does it for Thursday's Deep Dive. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show, and good luck with whatever you've got going today or tonight. Hope you catch some winners. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle.